Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Andy Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Live from the Minnesota State Fair. Thank you for joining us here at the fairgrounds and at home, too, wherever you happen to be, if you have a real estate type of question. Every week we always enjoy answering those, either by phone or by text. Let's clear the lines now, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Chris and Andy, you made it out here to the fairgrounds. Barely. And uh, did you have... Uh, He's fired up today, Denny. Fired up. Did you guys... Well, we almost got stuck in the old mill. We rode it together, and the ride can only have so much weight, and, you know. <laughs> okay. Did you... It was Andy by himself, but did you have any, we're not telling that. We're holding any, buckets of cookies and corn dogs, and it gets stuck. That and, was my know, next question. Did you have any fair food yet? Ah, uh, we we yes. did. We actually, jalapeno. What do we have? Jalapeno we almost poppers, bought a hot tub. And jerk then we, wings uh, and uh, what was that other thing? Uh, some kind of puffy on a stick sausage <laughs> thing. It was fantastic. Puff daddy, I think it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to real estate, shall we? Yeah, uh, let please. me ask you again. Uh, I haven't seen you for a week. How was the week in real estate from your perspective? Uh, good again. I think it's uh, growing. Put some more listings on. I think uh, you know. I've said that fall's going to be good. I still believe it. Yeah. And uh, it's starting out right in August. Yeah, you, you know, Denny, we did see uh, this week was kind of fun. A lot of showings are, are coming back. So showings are the front edge of, of we had a little slowdown. See, now Chris and I micromanage the market versus, you know, the listener at home is probably just reading the paper saying overall the year's been good. Yeah. But, you know, the region's been real solid. I think we're, we're averaging around a 7% is what we're guessing we'll end up at the end of the year for appreciation, which is good. And yeah, as really appreciation good. comes back, that brings those sellers back into the marketplace. And so, you know, people that have equity have options. And if you don't have equity, you didn't have options. So now as they do, they're ready to make their moves. And so we're starting to see that migration into, hey, let's sell the house. Let's, uh, you know, or or they retired this year. We've seen a lot of that this year. It's unusual. But the, hey, we want to head to Florida or Arizona and buy a house and have our vacation home. So and we talk about pockets all the time. And mm-hmm. there's some people that are completely frustrated that their houses aren't selling right now. You know, and there's right. other ones that are, you know, trying to determine how many offers that they can listen to and uh, go over full price and get an appraisal for. So it's a it's a it's a different market. There's uh, and pockets usually mean 
that there's pockets, that there's more stuff in it than yep. where, where the buyers are, or the buyers are that are not making decisions. Right. Well, you know, last week, Denny, we had that uh, uh, caller in from Wisconsin, and someone texted us after the show and said, could you clarify his question? And he was asking, he said, you know, if I get an offer right away, should I wait for a week? And that is such a fantastically loaded question. Um, and, Chris, what would you I, think is the answer to that? The appropriate I, I'll answer? give a great example of that. I just had a, one of our agents say that they wrote an offer on Wednesday night. Yep. And they said, oh, oh we're going to have multiple offers. Highest and best is due Monday at 5 p.m. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, guess what do you think that buyer did? Nope. They're not waiting. And so right. they withdrew their offer. Mm. So I think you, if you, you play that game, sometimes you really get burnt by it. I you think know? so, too. Yeah. Unless if, you have something that's just unbelievable. If you have somebody that, that presents a good offer and they've, they've done their due diligence, they, they are putting effort into putting a good offer forward, don't mess around. Take the offer. Work with that person because when they have a will, there's a way and they'll make it happen. And even if you have some hurdles along the way, that buyer is motivated to make the right things happen. Versus the person that feels like, ah, man, we overpaid for this house. Should we, should we bail on the inspection? Should we bail on the, you know, on the uh, contingency? And, and all in an effort to feel like they, they got a deal. Everybody wants to get a deal sure. or a fair price. You know, so. Yeah, and I think people also have to keep in mind, if you, if you do that to a buyer where they're sitting for five days to get a decision, you got to remember once that deal's set in stone, now it's back in their court because they have that inspection period. Yep. They basically got 10 days to play with you, and that, that's what happens too. Mm-hmm. They start playing with you and, and string out the time. And what happens is once you get that deal, you know, you get the deal done, you wait another 10 days. That market could have shifted by them if they walk away you know and i chris tell me a little bit about you know so with the new forms that came in so as he laughs so like i had to tell him a bedtime story no well, you know I'm a little tired. no the the idea of this new uh purchase agreement that came in and all the new forms that are there and i, I think that one of the still one of the um, challenges we are faced with was the clarification of what a 10-day or a five-day inspection period is I used to love it when it was broken down before because then it acted like a volleyball. It was back and forth and back and forth. And now it's just 10 days. And these people always wait till the end of the inspection. What's up with these, you know, real estate people and they and they wait and wait and wait. And it's day 10 and then they hand in the report. We have, we're against the wall. We have no room to move. We can't, you know, unless we renegotiate the purchase agreement. And, and so what can we do, do you think, as an industry to fix that? Well, some has to do with getting the inspector in there right away. You know, and I think what a lot of people do is they say they have 10 days, so they don't set them up for eight. Right. And then they have to react quick. But people have to remember that everything in the inspection period, where it used to say, hey, you got five days to do the inspection, two days to get back to them, and then two days to come up with some sort of solution. Right. And now it's kind of like, hey, we'll do it in eight. We'll give you the our, our problems here on day nine. Yeah. If we don't figure it out by 11.59 of that 10th day, yeah. you know, the deal is, is it. here's the interesting part. It goes through. It doesn't unless they state that they want to cancel the purchase agreement. Where before it uh, would cancel out if we we're yep. in the middle of negotiations. But if you don't state that your intention is to cancel that purchase agreement by the time that contingency ends, the buyers agree to everything and moving forward with the deal. So, so what you're saying is for clarification, the buyer that comes in and asks for five things to be completed, if the end of the 10-day period goes by and the seller has not responded yet. There's still a valid purchase in place, and the, the and they don't do the, the five out, things, right? So the contingency is gone. So it's mm-hmm. it's to the buyer's advantage, and that's why I was talking about this because this is a great point. It's to the buyer's advantage to get that inspection done and negotiated because if you hand it in at the last hour and you don't have the seller respond to it till the next day, you, you technically are out of luck. Yeah, and since that that whole thing has changed, I've had three deals that they've just uh, fell apart and ex- expired. 
and uh, basically had to go through with. Uh, we're on we're on air, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, I had three people that it actually happened to where we were kind of in negotiations. We were agreeing to some stuff. And then yep. all of a sudden that, you know, it just expired that night. We didn't have to do anything. And they right. had to follow through with the agreement, and they didn't even know it. That's crazy. Yeah, which is which But is that, that goes to, you know, again, back to having an experienced agent that actually reads those contracts. I can't tell you how many people just fill the contracts out or email their contract over to their client, and they don't read the contract. What does it mean? What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the consequences of filling it out this way? And it's I'm telling you, everybody, it's, it's well worth taking the extra hour, half hour to read line by line through a purchase agreement just so you even comprehend what you're you're putting in for answers. Right. Well, and the advent of electronic signatures is uh, is a big problem. Right. You know, because it's kind of like, hey, let's get this deal done, sign here, sign there, and you just go from box to box and sign and don't realize what you're signing. So well, we get a lot of questions, uh, title or text questions, yep. uh, and that they come on and we talk about either uh, title work, attorney opinions, accounting opinions. We brought mm-hmm. Sue Basiago, right? Close. Basiago. Basiago. Her too. Yep. That was nice. That's who else we got here, too. It's always nice to butcher the names. title. No, but I mean, come on. That name is a, not an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said it. No. It's not easy like Rooney. Yeah, right. Uh, but... Uh, we, we do. We get a lot of title questions, and uh, it's, so it's always nice when we get uh, someone that can answer them uh, correctly. No kidding. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if we've got uh, how much time we got here. It's a different Let's get setup. Into it. Usually I... in the studio we can do it. But, yeah, one of the questions was is, uh, that a person had was on a life estate, that they had a life estate, but they wanted to sell the house. How is that transferred? Well, with a life estate, um, it it depends on the transaction. So if it's mom giving a life, deeding to her children and reserves a life estate and she's still alive, all of the parties involved have to actually sign the purchase agreement and then they can determine how that money gets distributed. Everybody signs off. If mom has passed away, it's a pretty simple transaction. You do an affidavit of survivorship and the certified copy of the death certificate. And you record that and the surviving people on the deed, the grantees, actually own the property at that point in time. Okay. And when you say recording? We actually record at the county. We're a record notice state. So we actually have to record those documents on the county records. Otherwise, somebody else might have an interest in it. It's the same with transfer on death deeds. We want to make sure that you file the appropriate paperwork so that the property gets transferred to the correct person. Right. And that, that transfer on death deed is a, is a lot bigger thing now. It is a much bigger thing now, and we're seeing them across the United States. So the Why is that? Why are people choosing that? It's Well, I can't give the legal answer to that, but from the perspective of for title, it's, a le- it's an easier process. So I can say that I did that with my mom. So my mom, is a, um, when my dad passed away, we put the property in. My mom did a transfer on death deed to my um, sister and I. So she can still sell the property. She can still get a mortgage on the property. She can do everything like she used to, but when she passes away, we simply have to file an affidavit of survivorship, we have to make an extra step and we actually have to go to medical assistance and get a clearance certificate and record with the affidavit of survivorship and the certified copy of the death certificate. It just is an easier step. The property would have transferred us to us anyway, and right. it's just an easier process than going through probate. Yeah. Um, you know, probate is not an easy thing, and we, as you guys know, you run into it and it will slow a closing down sometimes. Yeah, it, it definitely slows down the, the transaction for sure. 
I'll tell you what, guys, let's take a break, like we always do about this time. When we come back, uh, again, we have uh, some text messages from our listeners, too, we'll pick up on as well. If you have a real estate question, we'll do it by phone, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back. We're broadcasting live at the Minnesota State Fair. This is the Real Estate Show on A3OWCCO. Chris and Andy out there in our uh, veranda. Yeah, with the summer uh, breeze. Yeah. yeah. I was driving back from Glenwood, Minnesota. We are out. Uh, our family, our whole family is up there um, staying. And yeah. I came back. And so on my way back, I was playing Name That Tune with Danny Long. Oh, you were? Yeah. yeah so I was, How did you do? Sweet Caroline. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Dennis knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I, I was wrong. I said it was in the 70s. That was before you, your time. Yeah, but yeah. you know he's got a computer screen. He can read what's being played, right? Well, he Googled it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Right. I, was playing, I played Scrabble for the first time. Oh. My mom's like doing it, and she smoked me. But uh, <laughs> I always like would say I'm on my text thing, but I was Googling words with Z, you know, just trying to figure out something, <laughs> and she caught me. <laughs> say, we, we have some text messages. By the way, you can phone in your real estate question as well. But uh, let's see if we can't pick up on a couple of these before you carry on your other conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What is the uh, average time on the market to sell a $1.7 million home in the Twin Cities area? Wow. Chris. Yeah. Uh, so it depends. I mean, mm-hmm. it, if it's, is it on a lake? Is it in a great area? I mean, it's, it, it so depends. I mean, it could be uh, two weeks to three years. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's true but i i would say the average is probably you know anywhere uh, 180 to 365 days okay. that, that that thing's going to be the, the good market. news though denny is they are selling and you know for for years they that, that was a market that was maybe questionable what can you yeah. get for it that market there are buyers in that market again so it's just a matter of of all the houses that are out there at 1.7 million is yours the nicest and the best location at the best price you know again providing value that's a statement that chris and i use a lot is you know, what value are you bringing to the marketplace that exceeds the other properties for sale that makes yours that much more attractive to make someone want to make a move? Right, and a lot of times um, the people buying those houses are busy people. Um, so many so many times I've had where we list the house and people have come at the beginning and then it sits for a little while, yep. you know, 120, 180 days later, and that same person ends up buying it that saw it at the very beginning, you know, but they got busy. And then they just, you know, oh, we got to do this and this and this and that. And then it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to miss out again. Let's grab it. Or they're maybe saying, you know, something else is going to come. And then it doesn't come, and they go and grab it. When you've talked about this, too, Chris, we're in the fall. or heading into, I shouldn't say fall. It just feels like fall today. But um, when you head into the end of the season here towards uh, the holidays, talk a little bit about if you do have Lakeshore. And is it a good time to sell, or is it a time that you want to wait? Or, or what would you suggest? Lakeshore? Yes. The, the fall is a fantastic time. It's because of the people that were busy all summer long are going to say, we're going to miss it again next year if we don't buy something now. I've had really, really good luck, especially with the upper bracket homes, in yep. the fall. When you guys shoot, like, all the photos now, so you'll, yeah. when everything's still green and blue, as you yep. say. You want that, yep. You get out there, you get the, the drones out there flying and shooting photos and really look nice. And then, obviously, if you sell in the fall and you have the fall colors, you, you list with fall colors, but you have those photos as the backups to really sell that. This is what it looks like in July when you're having your 4th of July party. Right. And I think that the one thing that, that Chris, I think that um, in your marketing comes through is is talking about the lifestyle and really selling the lifestyle of having the parties and entertaining and being on the lake and having your friends and family and selling that lifestyle. Because 
th that is, I think, a thousand percent what, what that's all about. Absolutely. I mean, living on a lake or a golf course or acreage, I mean, it's a lifestyle. And if you can get that emotional thing yeah. and then back it up with value and facts, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, usually works out pretty well for you. Yeah. So. So here's another text that uh, says, we live in Ham Lake, and there are a lot of big homes being built nearby. Because of that, will we have trouble selling our $400,000 17-year-old three-bedroom house? Well, that's right in my uh, turf. I'm right on 65 there. I've been there for 18 years. And Ham Lake is a really a neat um, community. It's, it's acreage. It's, it's um, kind of the hobby farm area, you know, but there's a lot of really nice newer homes. Newer homes goes in at a favorable rate. Um, what I would say is to be competitive in that market, you want to go through, like the Fall Parade of Homes is coming up in a couple weeks, go through the Fall Parade of Homes and get some ideas. Go through those new models because that's who you're competing with. It, it sounds really funny, but when you're actually out there, those new houses, people will, you're at 400 they might pay 650 or do they want to buy yours for 400 and then have the possibility to do what they really want to do? So, you know, I think a lot of times we get um, the new home ideas. Do some updates that bring you at least in the relevancy of, of the something. The 2017 update. Yeah. Like yep. a new backsplash. I mean, you get yep. a home that's, you know, that old. I mean, they probably have kind of a dated backsplash. Right. And that's an easy way in which to be able to kind of give it like a, yep. a wow that I can get in right away, get it less than what you can get for new construction. Right. And, uh, and it's all done. And then the other trick is, is that on your marketing materials, you have to, I mean, you know how uh, builders market. They put everything, I mean, you know, three-quarter inch round, and they put everything you possibly can in there, maple and this and that. You need to do the same thing yeah. because you're competing against that. Once they start looking at it and say, oh, panel doors, oh, I'm not getting that, you know, this is a better value, it makes more sense to me. Right. All right, take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. If you want to get involved, if you have a real estate question, you can call it in at 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. 61 degrees here on CCO. And a couple of smooth operators yeah. on our veranda out there, Chris That's and Andy. Right. What about Sue? A little sad Sue, too. Yes. Sue Basago. If you do happen Woo. to have a, uh, a real estate question, either uh, by phone or by text, let me give you the phone number, 651-989-9226. Text is 81. 807. I think uh, Chris has one. Yeah, hopefully uh, the person who wrote this three weeks ago is listening. We created a revocable living trust and want uh, to put our house into that trust. What conveyance docs do we need to do that? Well, the best way to do it would to actually have the, your trust attorney draft those documents. Um, you want to make sure they're done correctly. Basically, you just need a deed from yourselves as married to each other to the yourselves as trustee and then name the trust. Um, additional steps that will have to happen when you refinance or sell the home is there's a certificate of trust and affidavit of trustee that needs to be recorded as well. Um, we'd like to see the certificate of trust done at the time that the deed's recorded just so that it's out there at that point in time. Um, you also want to make sure if you have an owner's title insurance policy that you talk to the title company that issued that to make sure that you're not voiding that policy and if you have to have an endorsement done because there I are think that's steps. really interesting actually mm -hmm. because a lot of people who do investment properties because of the getting the loan they got to do it in their name and then once they transfer it over to an LLC your owner's policy is gone. Right. It depends. I mean, if it's a sole single member LLC, typically that policy will follow. That um, owner's policy or the deed, the change in deeds will actually follow to the new person, to the new entity. However, if you buy it as 
husband and wife or as joint tenants and you do that and it's only a sole member LLC, you may have issues. So you always want to check with your title professionals because what happens is, is a lot of times people don't get that and people don't right. explain that at the closing table that you might have an issue with your owner's policy and you don't want your owner's policy to be void. That's why you get a realtor like Andy Prasky because yes. he knows all that. <laughs> I do. I think. Yeah, I do. All right, I got another one. Okay. I got another one. Okay, uh, the person bought a home, had a survey done, also got owner's title insurance. After they bought, the neighbor did a survey and came up with different lines. Does the owner's title insurance take care of this? It depends. It sounds like an attorney answer, but it does. I would say that the first thing that you need to do is talk to your title professional that issued that owner's title insurance policy. And then what I would do is I would actually, if it was my company, we would suggest that they file a claim. And it's a very simple process. We ask that they, when they do the claim, we walk them through it. We do the letter, help them out. And then we submit it to, with them to our underwriter and have them take a look at it. I would say as long as they had survey coverage, which not everybody understands and gets when they buy an owner's policy, as long as they have the survey coverage, there should be some type of um, action that the underwriter would be able to do and hire counsel and figure so that out. So to dig a little deeper into that concept, then is a survey, a certified survey then required to make sure that that's insured correctly? In most instances, yes. If there's a survey out there, we always want to take a look at it. If it's meets and bounds property, so there's no platted property, we require a survey to do survey coverage. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that you're using, um, obviously, a surveyor that's been, you know, has actual licensing. And you want to make sure that the title company actually looks at it. Um, Sometimes what happens is a survey's done and the title company never sees it, especially in a residential situation. And so that's where we start running into issues is, and we might not give survey coverage because we haven't seen that. Here's another thing. How about when do you do it? Because it's like some people say, I'll just wait until I sell it, then the owner's title will cover it. Or do you do it as quick as possible? No, you want to do it before you get the owner's title insurance. Um, You want to make sure that, especially when you're purchasing a piece of property and you have a question, you want to make sure that you have um, the survey done if you mm. have any type of questions of where that cabin might sit right. or garage. And so hand, uh, hand-drawn on a napkin, Chris Rooney style, is not acceptable. <laughs> no, I don't think though. so. <laughs> it's, it's forged. It's not signed. <laughs> oh. All right. Here's a text that came in a bit ago. We, we have a home built in the late 50s. Uh, we believe it would be best sold as investment property because of the updates needed. How does one best seek out investors? Are there companies or realtors who deal more specifically with that issue? You know, Denny, that that is the uh, the Everline. I, what I like is this. I, I sometimes look at, and I'm going to say this cautiously because I have a lot of investors that are clients of mine, but th- they're kind of in a little bit different of a mode than a real estate agent. A real estate agent is to protect and provide a service. Find them the highest sale price, protect that seller. And investors looking out for themselves. They're not licensed to have ethics. They're not required to have uh, all the, um, uh, what do they call that, fiduciary responsibilities. So what ends up happening is they're in it for themselves. So you, when you find an investor directly, a lot of times, I hate to say it, even though you think you're saving money, there's a real good shot that you're probably leaving money on the table. So that real estate agent, nine times out of 10, can provide you with that protection and then just talk about the fees up front talk about what's fair and then i actually say in the real estate community more investors are coming to us now than ever because they can't get the deals themselves and they're looking for the hey do you have anything that's not on the market yet that maybe somebody wants to sell that's a fixer-upper i get calls every week on that almost and it's it so 
I would, of course, say go to a real estate agent and ask them first. And what we mostly do every deal. day. I mean, we right. go in and tell them, hey, at, if you don't do nothing, here's what it's going to be worth. If you do this, you might get this. And if you do that, yeah. you'll get this. And then make that decision based on that. But you're not stuck with someone. Yep. That's the other part is that get get as much information as you can because you might get the one person, the one investor that came right. off Craigslist, yep. you know, that's going to give you 120 for it where it could have got you 150 all day long. Right. Well, and, and you know, the other thing is that all the late night TV show watching investors that are out there trying to get you to carry back seconds and do yeah. all these crazy things. Yeah, or I have all do, those tapes. Yeah, I do too. Carlton Sheets. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Carlton. He was the king of the, the uh, he used to buy trailers renovated. He cost me a lot of money, I'm just saying. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, in the, yeah. Over the long run, he cost But no, me but a lot. anyway, so the investor kind of coming back to that. The, yeah. the investors that are out there that um, actually, there's a lot of good ones out there too, but I get a little bit nervous when they ask you to carry them while they're doing the improvements. I get a little bit nervous when they're asking you to, because then you don't know if anybody's getting paid. You know, what if there's now $300,000 worth of improvements on your lakefront property and they default and now you've got debts to pay off and you still have a house to sell? So, I mean, ultimately, it's, there's a lot of challenges there when it comes to selling direct, as they say. Makes sense. Uh, let's see. Here's one uh, you probably had to deal with from time to time. What are the upside and downside of a seller accepting a contingent offer? Um, I mean, downside is obviously a lot of people won't go and look at it after yep. the fact. But if it's, if your house has been sitting for a little while or that you know the backup house is going to sell, you know, typically someone who's writing a contingent offer is going to pay you probably a little more that, for that ooh. convenience, right, of holding it off for them. And so, but sometimes, you know, you get a house that gets a reputation that everyone thinks there's something wrong with it. Right. You know, and there's really nothing wrong with it, but maybe you priced it too high to begin yep. with. And as you keep coming down, maybe there's a pond in the backyard. There's, oh, that floods every year and it goes in their, you know, in their basement. Right. It does, it's not true. But once you get a contingent offer, sometimes you can spur a bunch more offers because someone else thinks it's it's okay. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's like once you get engaged, all those old girlfriends come back and we're yeah, like, Jesus we'll Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, Denny, I, I look at that. What Chris said is fantastic with the idea of, of having a contingency, and then what ends up happening is um, you, you actually can fetch more. There's a lot of different terms and, and things that go into an offer more than just the price. And I think we all focus on the price because that's you know what we think is important. But what are what's the closing date? What kind of an inspection are they going to ask for? Are they asking you for warranties? Are they asking you for you know a rent back? Are they asking you for you know? And so sometimes a contingency can be the best way to secure a, a really fair offer for you as a seller. I'm not scared of them at all. Yep. Here's another text. Uh, I know we have to break here in a couple of minutes. I am a buyer wanting to buy a foreclosed home. What is the process for the buyer? I mean, it's really the same process as it would be for any any purchase. I mean, obviously there's some caveats in what yep. the bank is expecting and that you're getting it as is. Um, but yeah, but add the banks. If you look at, we should bring Garth back on sometimes. Yeah. Garth, uh, great guy. Probably sells more REO properties than anybody that we know combined and uh what's happening is a lot of the banks now are not just selling them as decrepit fixer uppers they're fixing up the properties themselves and taking full advantage of the the resale uh market that's out there that they they can put money into these properties they can show that the money will come back and they'll get more offers on properties when they fix them up than when they don't and be prepared to react i think a lot of people what they do is they oh we go look at it no it's great i better bring my mom and my dad and then I, well, then my cousins and my sister have to come see it. And by the time that's happened, you know, it's sold to, you know, and closed by them. Right. And so what you have to do is you react and then bring grandma and grandpa and all them 
through the inspection period. Sure. All right, tell you what, we have to take our usual break. We have more show to come here live from the fair. If you have a real estate type of question, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. If you have a real estate question, still have time for yours. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Here again, Chris and Andy. And for those maybe joining us a little bit late, who did you bring with you today? Subasago at Midland Title is with us uh, today answering our title questions. Uh, we've had a lot of those questions over the time. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Andy, yeah. if you think, but I think the most complex part of... The real estate trans- transaction is really the title part of it. It's sure. the least understood out of everyone. So what- I think the most underappreciated too, because it just it's like I, I get asked all the time, what's a what's a title company, what's a or whatever, and that's where we actually get into what do they do for us, what are they providing, and they're doing some of the most critical protection services that are in in the transaction. In my opinion, I mean, that's why having a good title company is the key. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that we have to have good title companies. The the process is really important to make sure that when that homeowner walks away with the keys in their pocket, that they actually have the best experience they have, but they actually have the protection of their um, the property, that they own it, that someone's not going to come knock on the door and they're going to say, we have a lien on your property, we have a mortgage on your property. You want to make sure. So what we're doing in the behind the scenes is we're mm-hmm. issuing a title commitment that says we do a search of all the public records and say, this is what needs to be cleared up. This is what the seller needs to take care of. And then we take care of it. We make sure that it's being taken care of. Well, and then the owner's t- the title insurance and owner's title insurance is basically ensuring that all that was done correctly. Correct. And if not, they're protected. Correct. And I'll tell you what, owner's title insurance is just, it's so important, I think, to take. Yeah. I mean, every transaction you do. I had uh, a closing earlier. It was this year last year. I can't remember. But that one you had? That one, yeah. So I should remember <laughs> it. Gosh. Okay, it was February 14th. Sorry. But anyways, no. Um, Remember? But no, that we, uh, there's a title problem, and I mean, they paid cash, Mm -hmm. you know, and just, I I just, they didn't do everything they're supposed to do, and it ended up costing them almost $14,000. Oh, I think we've all got those stories, and I've had the same thing where you have that buyer that bought on their own, and they bought off the open house, and they just kind of did all the motions, and then they owned it for a couple years. They go to sell it and realize that there's clouts on the title from when they bought it. And they want to sell it, and it's going to cost them 6500 just to, for the title company to insure it because they're scared of what might come up. And it's and then so the, what did you save by not buying that title insurance? It cost them 6500 bucks. So it's like you look at that and you say, hey, that, that is a, a money well spent, I believe. And it's really important that you have good real estate agents that work with you so that you understand and they understand what they're looking at. You want to make sure that they look at the commitment with you and explain to you as a buyer what you're going to get yeah. if you don't buy an owner's title insurance policy. We get a lot of um, pushback sometimes where people will say there's no value in a title insurance policy. It really has to be because of not being explained at the time of closing what the problems are or ensuring an access easement or something right. like that. So you really want to be educated. We know that it's very exciting to get to that closing table and be getting your keys, but you still want to make sure that you understand. And having a really good real right. estate professional is really important in that. Just to guide you. Well, and I think what people do is, I mean, it's an extra cost. 
you know, and then at the end, it's kind of like, oh, geez. And it's really owner's title insurance. Owner's title insurance is typically the last cost, you know, at the very end of everything. And then if they haven't already decided to do it, sorry about that. If they haven't already decided in which to do owner's title insurance through um, the lender, it happens at the closing table that people get to decide. And then some people are like, ah, I don't want to spend that $400, right. you know. And with the changes that happened a while ago, we actually now, you know, make sure that people are aware of those costs before they get to the closing table because of the changes in lending. So mm-hmm. we do it with all of our customers now. We want to make sure that they right. understand what that cost is going to be. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to talk. You know, Rooney. No, I say. So here's the thing. So you You're know, mad the, again. no, 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 no. I don't ever get mad. I just I wound yeah. up and then I pounce. Um, the you know when it comes down to uh, dealing with the um, dealing with the uh, the transaction and actually having the ability to um, close something and have peace of mind and then you're like, I don't know if I have title insurance or not is probably the most beautiful statement I ever hear because they don't need it and they don't have to enforce it or they don't have to use it and that's ultimately the the you know a good transaction you didn't have to use it um but if you do those that are listening that have ever had to enforce something and they have a good policy i'll tell you what it it's so night and day the experience you can have how about a couple examples of what could come up after the fact um probably the biggest one we'll see is um, a mortgage might not get paid off or they don't think a mortgage has been paid off um they get to the next closing and there's still that open mortgage out there Mm -hmm. 99% 99% of the time has been paid off, but the title company, or the lender never followed through and filed a satisfaction, so the prior title company will file a certificate of release or make sure that mm-hmm. they get that satisfaction recorded. Um, easements, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of people that didn't get an insured easement, and now the lender in their transactions requiring that easement be completed, and a document gets recorded to make sure that they have a shared driveway. Right. What about the, uh, the, the uh, homeowner? That comes along and says, "I never signed anything for my association. I there's there's no association in my neighborhood, and that and there is. Right. And and so talk a little bit about how that rides on the title, real quick. Well, we make sure that we're doing title searches to make sure if we see there's an association out there. And as you know, in building development, sometimes even a single family development will have an association they for know. yeah for where the mailboxes are, for where the monuments are at. So we make sure that if we believe there's one and they say there isn't one we make them sign statements now that say that there's not one and then at least the buyer's aware and the seller's aware so when they walk away and they get that $100 bill at the end of the right. year we can say well we did show this to you but it's also an exception you know right. it becomes an exception in that situation so well, there, there's been people I've had where they call me and they'll say listen I bought this house and we they say that we have an association and I'm not paying the dues because nobody told me we have an association here. And it's $200 a year. And then the association in the documents has the ability not only to find them, but actually keep escalating the fines to the point of where they have five, six, ten thousand $10,000 against their house for not paying it. And, and foreclose on that house. They, and it, Yes, but that's a little different of a foreclosure process. But, but it works. I've done yep. it. <laughs> Yep, to get it paid. Yeah, yeah. and it it has happened. And so, again, it's making sure that you are really working with the right real estate professionals in the transaction because they're going to say, you know what, this is showing up in title. We better investigate this a little bit further. But you can have the best people in the world. Sometimes mistakes happen. Right, and that's why we have insurance. Exactly. That's why why it's important. And with new construction, I just say this too. If you're out there looking at new lots that have been developed recently in the last 10 years, 99% 99% of those lots will have some kind of an association. If it's architectural controls or if it's just 
you know, hey, we're going to follow the city documents. We have to have two trees in the front or whatever it is. They do have them. So I know a lot of people that shop new construction say, I want to live in an area that doesn't have an association. That's almost impossible. But what does the association do is what you can control. You can also get active in that association and decide, hey, let's, you know, roll back the association a little bit so that it doesn't necessarily mow all the grass or do whatever. And there's some of those can be changed. Some bylaws cannot. But, again, just I always say do your homework up front for sure. So here is a uh, text message. Uh, to, to what? Uh, who is more accurate with pricing a property, the agent or the appraiser? One says 130000 The other says 180000 hmm. Well, Well, Andy Are always gets in trouble. Are there any appraisers listening? Yeah. <laughs> there always is. I knew you'd like that question. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. I think uh, what, what realtors do, I mean, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay and someone's willing to sell, number one. But coming up with the value valuation, mm-hmm. I think there's sometimes, I mean, Andy, we were talking about a property earlier that the uh, appraiser was talking to you and said that, you know, I don't know how Rooney got that much for that house. It was a unique house, 1,400 square feet for $1.2 million. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason that it was worth that amount of money. Now, can you appraise it and compare it to other places no there's no other place right. like it right. so you're not going to be able to do that and that's so true and so you know the there, there's somebody in the marketplace that's willing to let's say pay 1.2 let's say it appraises at a million the buyer who's willing to pay 1.2 anyway what's the difference you pay the extra 200,000 you have less debt you have less whatever and you were going to pay 1.2 anyway so even if the bank doesn't agree with you you don't have to agree with the bank and you just put more money down and the transaction can still happen so if I was valuing the house I would be going with the realtor on that that part yep. because I think sometimes too I mean appraiser also looks at the size and square footage means a big thing but there could be a lot of square footage that's totally yuck inside that is going to drive that price down so I don't know who the 130 was or the 180 is but I would um, err on well, the side of maybe a couple different realtors. They try to commoditize the house and, and compare it and, and so that all the houses come out the same factory this one was a little different that one's a little different they tweak and they adjust that's kind of, I mean, I hate to say it because I get mad when I say that stuff, but it's the truth. We look at it differently. That You know, who built the house? What lot is it on? What kind of lakeshore does it have? What kind of, and some of those things can get looked at, but not really truly valued. If you're on the only sandy shore on the whole lake and the rest of it's all muck, somebody's going to pay more for that property and they're gladly will do it. And so, you know, it's, it comes down to, again, I think that, you know, protecting yourself, there's appraisals are one thing to give you what a bank might think it's worth. And then getting the opinion of what's the market willing to pay is probably the, the overlying decision maker we have exactly 40 seconds left in the show any final thoughts and or emails well, well i think it would be good if people uh knew where sue uh worked out of and uh, yeah. how they could contact her as well midland title we're located in bloomington brooklyn center in grand rapids minnesota 612-866-6102 wow impressive how about you guys i don't know <laughs> now, he talks about himself all all day but now he won't say this I'll tell him, Prasky.com. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm you? shy. I'm you shy, Denny. Go to ChrisRudy.com. Right, it's the best way. That's how. Just Google us. We're going to be back next week here yes. live at the fair for more real estate here on 830 WCCO. Thanks for joining us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.